So we want to record the podcast when we have everything fresh. And also when we're feeling a little manic. <laughs> yeah, so just overall first impression. Like if I just had to give it a yay or a nay. Uh, it's a yay, it's a pass. It's, it's definitely a, a yay. It's a thumbs up. Yeah. I'm I'm having pretty much the reaction that I predicted I would in that I, it's still something I gotta process before I can really <laughs> judge whether or not I liked it. Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, how, how are your initial thoughts? How do you feel after? Well, I mean, visually it's astonishing, but it is it's something that we really, really know. So that that was yeah, it lived up to the the imagery in the trailers. Yeah, so like a, that was not something that I really like. Um, Although I must say there were more moments that felt a little green screeny than I was expecting. Oh, there were clearly a, like a lot of shots where they were meant to be outdoors, and I was just like, no, they're on a sound stage right now. <laughs> like the lighting was just kind of off. Yeah, other than that, I, very visually pleasing. <laughs> yes. The the thing that, that I like is, I I like how they introduce, I guess, like the, the evil into the story. Yeah, okay, so I felt like that was a little abstract, and that if if you didn't really have prior knowledge of the Cimmerillion and what was going on, it would be a little confusing. I, I don't particularly think so. I mean, probably you don't know all the details, but you know that Sauron is around there and he starts to become more active, I guess. More. Oh, I thought you meant like the way they, they, the tree was destroyed at the beginning. No, no, no. I, I, I meant like the, in general, how they introduce, because we speculate that like, oh, it's going to have a lot of episodes of like, no, we are in peace, like a... Nothing bad is happening. Well, we did have two episodes of that, so... <laughs> well, I, I, I thought I was going to, like, stretch it longer. Well, we don't know, because we, <laughs> we haven't seen episode three. So it's still very possible that now Galadriel's in Numenor saying, Hey, look, there's orcs. This guy says there's orcs. They destroyed his village. And they're like, mm, I don't know. Should we believe her? You'll see. It's not over yet. But, but well, but I thought I was going to try to be like a more cagey and sooty, like a forlong. And, you know, the introduce like, you know, the, the destroying village. Even Gilgalad just like uh, realized in the back of the leaf, like the, that blackness spreading. Yeah. So... But he admitted as much to Elrond. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Sauron's still around, but... Let's not worry about that's a tomorrow us problem. Yeah, but but he's sleepy. Just just don't 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 poke the nest. But uh, obviously, with the leave, he realized that the the nest was already poked. So yeah, I I, I generally I was like a place that didn't overstress more than necessary. Try to be too like a too ambiguous with like what is coming in, and there was a little more stressful that I expected. In, in in the in the good meaning. Yeah. Anyway. So in the beginning. 
Yeah, we, we speculate about, like, uh, how they're gonna... Yeah, we knew that there'd be a flashback to the trees, because yeah. I mean, we literally saw the trees. <laughs> it was the very first image that we saw. And um, it was, of course, Finrod, Galadriel's brother, who is the elf, the first elf that we ever saw. Uh, it, was a, it was a cute little scene, like, setting up her relationship with her brother. Hmm. And yet, at the same time, very rushed. Uh which is what I was trying to say before. If I hadn't read The Silmarillion, I wouldn't know, A, why the trees suddenly went dark. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really understand the geography <laughs> of them, like, sailing. Or, or just, like, the severity of that decision to leave Valinor and go after Morgoth. Like, it didn't really feel properly explained at all. It's just, like... The trees went dark, and now we're at war, and now now the war is done. <laughs> well, yeah, they didn't want to spend too much in the in the intro. It was so fast. Yes, I mean obviously they don't give you the details of the of the destruction of the trees. They just say that Sauron did it. Yeah, and I guess part of that is because most of that information comes from the Silmarillion, and they're. I mean, they're really focusing on what's in the appendices. Yes. They don't really... We know that they have the rights to show some of the stuff in the Silmarillion, but not the bulk of it, that's for sure. And I don't think, like, for the people that they are not familiar with the other for the Lord of the Rings itself, it's probably enough. It's like, a, Sauron did it. Just move on. Except Sauron didn't do it. It's all Morgoth. That's what I mean. Like, it's, it's just confusing. Well, yeah. Even you're confused now. <laughs> I, well, I, I tried to say Morgoth. Anyway, like, yeah, I, but. I, I can't really hold that against the TV show because it was always going to be hampered by... There's just so much information. And yeah. we, we got to get to the point. Sorry. And yeah. so it's like, here's your... Like, five minutes of explanation. All you really need to know is... War bad? War over? Question <laughs> mark? <laughs> I mean, they didn't, didn't explain it. But I have that, that vibe that in the beginning of like that flashback, it is kind of like a utopia. And they kind of... They was forced to become like a, a warriors. Or unless I have like that impression yeah, when I yeah. saw them. So they kind of just like uh, let you know that, like you know, that they was for their hand to to like kind of like a chase the chase um, Morgoth. But um, yeah, I mean, like uh, as we say, it is so many that they cannot just. I mean, I was expecting more, and I gotta say, I was real disappointed. To see the light go out of those trees and not to see a giant spider. fucking spider a, sucking the life out of them. Like a, a building sized spider. Ah, oh, so disappointing. Although, like, then there's like the shot of the battle and you like immediately see a fell beast taking down an eagle, and I was like, alright, I'm on board for that. That was cool. That was pretty badass. <laughs> I must say, if you put a giant spider and don't don't say anything else, it, it, <laughs> the people is gonna what? <laughs> yeah, but it's not like they don't know that there's giant fucking spiders because 
if they've seen the Lord of the Rings or if they've read the Lord of the Rings, there's a giant spider in that. But this is building size well, spider. They don't. We don't really need to quantify that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, all right. So the the thing that, of course, I couldn't get over was uh, Finrod's death because they show him apparently dying in a battle, but. In the TV show, the way it cuts together, it's a lot more clear that he was in a battle, and then some time passes, and then he he dies. And they don't say how, but from the state of him, it very easily lines up with how he did die, which was tortured to death. And also, like a, like like a, she mentioned that like they mark. The symbol yeah. of Sauron in well, his body. Well, not only does she mention it, you see it <laughs> carved into his flesh. So, I, I, I guess that, that it was kind of like a implying that it was torture, I guess. Yeah, and, and it is a little confusing, too, because you see the mark, and it is like the mark of Morgoth carved into his flesh, assumedly. But then when she sees the mark later, she's just like, yep, Sauron, Sauron, Sauron. And it seems to be very much associated with Sauron after that point. So, um, I mean, we were kind of debating, is it Morgoth's or is it Sauron's mark? And I guess the answer is it's both of theirs. I guess it was... It's just the bark of evil, I guess. I mean... Well, e for evil! I told you it was an E! <laughs> I guess it was like the Morgoth and, you know, like a Sauron... Well, I guess it could be an upside-down M. And... <laughs> And here is the, the empire, you know? Yeah, it's like a... yeah, basically. It's, yeah, it's their flag yes. or something. Anyway, so yeah, that, that kind of lined up. Then we get into the meat of the story, which, I mean, yeah, most of what we saw in the first two episodes is, is pretty much in the trailers. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I don't think there was anything that, like, was surprising. But, but the very first scene post flashback is them going into the northern wastelands. Uh, we finally got like the confirmation. It's the Forward Wath! <laughs> the Forward Waste? The Forward Wrath. The Forward. For, forward Wath. Some, some far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really late, guys. <laughs> my, my brain's all bubbly. And the one thing that I appreciate is they introduce the maps. And oh my god. And they are like moving the camera when they change the, well, the let's, positions. Let's, don't get ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> We're still in the forward web. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just like really happy that they had subtitles to introduce the lands that they're in because even for someone who's like really into. Lord of the Rings, you need a map next to oh, you yeah. when you're reading. So it's really good to have that. Anyway, so they're heading through the, a blizzard. I don't know why they decided to go north in the middle of winter. But well, maybe it was summer. I mean, but uh, it was north. No, no context, I guess. But you'd have to be real north for that. Yeah. Like, literally at the North Pole. <laughs> Which, I don't know, maybe they were. Uh, but they find the ad abandoned fortress. They didn't really uh, give a name for no. it. So it's just meant to be Nameless Fortress Number 5. But but the scene where they discover it is so silly. Because they're like in a storm. And I guess, okay, it's supposed to be a blizzard. 
And yes, in a blizzard, there is a whiteout. You can't see anything around you. But the way they filmed this was you could very much see everything yeah. around them. But then the, the guy is just like... Where are we? we? haven't found the place yet. And then literally they look up and they're like, oh, it's everywhere. We're all over. Yeah. And then it's just like literally they pull back and here's this massive fucking tower. And it's like, you really? Was that all the time? You didn't see that with your elven eyes? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so they head down inside and um, the whole fucking catapult and... <laughs> Uh, let's defeat the, not the ice troll, but the snow no. troll. Don't mistake it. <laughs> it was less of a scene to be like, oh shit, Sauron's still alive, and more of introducing where Galadriel's character is right yeah, now. Yeah, I can see how they are, man. Yeah, she's just like got tunnel vision on trying to track down Sauron, um, which I, I liked that. I mean, it syncs up with her character because mm. she does resolve to stay in Middle Earth until, you know, the last of the evil is wiped off the face of it. Well, with that. Not that she's like lifting much of a finger to, <laughs> to help, <laughs> but whatever. Mm. But I don't know. I didn't. Uh, the whole thing was just a little like whatever because her companions are just like, ah, oh, we need to go back. It's. But I just feel like I've seen this scene a million times in a million different movies where it's just like, you're not thinking straight. You're too close to it. You're gonna like get everybody around you killed. You're reckless. Blah 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 blah. And it's just like. Okay, yes, and then she's gonna, like, go on a journey to, like, defeat the evil, and she's gonna, like, almost succumb to it, and she's gonna have to, like, learn her lesson. I get ya. It's just... Yeah, I mean, like, uh, obviously that, that kind of stuff, but it, as you said, it is, it is how you introduce her resolve, I guess, into the, her, her mission, so... Yeah, anyway... <laughs> So then we start moving around, which is, I don't know exactly when they introduced the maps, but basically between scenes, thank fucking God, again. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they'd have maps, but they, it feels very much like a, a 1930s movie where, you know, the camera zooms out and you see the, the map and we move along with the map and then we see now where we are. And... I was going to joke to you in the first episode, as they they started moving along the map, that there'd be the little red dots like in Indiana yes. Jones. <laughs> and then in episode two, they fucking did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was yellow, but it was still like, let's pop, walk pop, from... Pop, a, a, pop, pop. <laughs> it was adorable, but also, I don't know. It made, yeah, a little cheesy, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a little cheesy. <laughs> I mean, if you just want to mark where they're going, just, you know, put the point and the name of the city or whatever the location, I think people understand that the new place that appeared in the map is where they're heading. Well, I mean, the the camera panning, the way they yeah. did it in all the other scenes, like every other transition scene with the map, it just has the camera panning with the map. But in the one... <laughs> scene in episode two where they go to Casa Doom for the first time. 
I guess because the two places were so close, they couldn't really do a camera pan. But they could make a thumb. I guess, but they decided instead to do adorable <laughs> dun, little dots. <laughs> Let's see them do it again. Or it's just a, a one-time thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole plot line with Galadriel in episode one... I mean, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, it's okay. But I really hate false tension. Like, I, I just find it, well, it's boring because you know what's going to happen. And when you're building up to the climax of the episode and it's all centered around, will Galadriel go back to the lands of the Undying? <laughs> it's like, no. I, I mean, <laughs> you can... She won't. And, and everybody knows that she won't. So why are we going through... This moment of false tension. Why? Why have... I don't know. It just felt like they didn't really know what to do with her in episode one. But they knew that she had to have this internal struggle. Which was at odds with where her people wanted to be. And that she had to end up at sea. Like those were the two things yes. they wrote down. <laughs> I mean, was that? I guess, I guess they, they tried for like a double down her resolve and just basically break with like all of the elf traditions forever because it's not to come back. Yeah, except where is this? I mean, I, I'm, I, I swear I'm not going to be this person. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and just be like, well, that wasn't in the book, so why are they doing that? But seriously, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you you are gonna be. <laughs> I mean, this is not like, you know, Galadriel goes to battle and like never talks about it again. I can buy that. But she almost went back to Valinor, and then she swam back to Middle Earth, and nobody ever fucking talked about this. Like that's huge. <laughs> yeah, because also I was thinking about the logistic. I mean, technically she jumped for the sea for the ship just in the in the edge, just when you enter in Valinor. Uh, but then you have this like a you know, like a breaker ship with humans. But the humans they are not sailing close to Valinor. Oh my god. Well So uh, uh, how close they are to the coast? Yeah, so well, you're we're skipping the episode two now, but yeah, as, <laughs> as she's like swimming across the ocean back to Middle Earth, she finds another shipwreck, which we find out later. Well, possibly that it comes from the Southlands. We don't know if Halbrand yeah. was telling the truth, but he says they're coming from the Southlands, like the Harad. But she is coming from the far, far west. <laughs> So, like, I like were they sailing to the Undying Lands? Like, I, I'm assuming that they are sailing like a heading to Numenor. And then they got lost, and then they started heading oh. to the Undying Lands. Like, well, like, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how much lost. Are you telling me Galadriel swam all the way back to Numenor? Like, is the thing? I, is the only explanation that they see here? That's. And never mind the whole false tension of that moment. Like, just the fact that then you have to justify the fact that she jumped off a ship into the ocean with 
no plan. Like, what was her plan? You, you can't swim. Well, apparently, apparently elves can swim for like a days. Uh, it would have been weeks. Exactly. I mean, like, how long was that trip? That that trip in in ship? At least a week. And it's just so undignified. <laughs> I almost would have accepted it if, like, the ship itself didn't go into the Undying Lands. Like, when the when the the elf maidens started, like, de-armoring yes. everybody and, like, taking their stuff, I'm like, okay, are they, like, leaving that on the boat? I, I would think they're going to throw them through or the... Or something like that. But I was like, okay. And then, also, because all of these soldiers, they're getting rewarded for their service, and they're heading back to Valinor. Well, where do these elf maidens fit into this? What are they being rewarded for? No, I, I was thinking about that. That maiden is going to come back to return the ship. But that's what, I, that's what I mean. They need to go back with the ship. So, I would have believed it. It would have been fine if Galadriel just stayed on the ship and went back. Except, it didn't go back. They... Continued on into Valinor. They're now in the Undying Lands. They just got a fucking free ride. And now Galadriel needs to swim back to Middle-earth. <laughs> like, it's just... Like, narratively? Uh, uh, it's uh, real dumb. I don't know. For, for me, like, the part where she swimming back to Middle-earth... There's so many better ways to get her to um, see. I mean, what was basically my, my main... Uh, confirmed from these two episodes. Like, literally, here's how it should have happened. Like, it should have... Like, the same thing they offer... Well, offer. They tell her she's going onto the ship back to Valinor. And then, you know, cut to her sneaking away, getting on a ship, and then going to Numenor. <laughs> right? And then maybe, like, that ship is wrecked at sea or she still encounters the, the weird worm... I mean, but, I, 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 per I personally, I'm I going to destroy the, the elf ship. It's going to be, like, a my best guess if I need to write that. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I was like, oh, is there going to be, like, a shipwreck on the way to Valor? Because that doesn't really seem right, because surely elven magic would kind of keep all that stuff at bay. But, mm, yeah, but right. even that would have been better than her swimming across the ocean. For, what, three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, kind of <laughs> going back to my visceral reaction to the catapult thing, it it's it doesn't look cool, right? Like, I, I, I must have said... When I think of, like, epicness, I don't think of someone swimming by themselves across the Atlantic Ocean. That, to me, looks stupid <laughs> and pathetic. I mean... I guess, like, uh, I can assume that, the, like, uh, the the shipwreck from, like, uh, the Sutherlands, because they was, like, uh, without direction and c closer to Valinor than they should. But uh, there's just no way. Like, it, it's not, like, off the coast of Numenor. Oh, no. They would have been way, way drifting like, uh, for weeks. Like, it's just insane. It's better drifting for weeks than swimming for weeks to me. <laughs> Ah, none of it makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm, I'm not gonna get hung up on these things. There's other things to get hung up on. Well, going to things that I thought were pretty pitch perfect, um, the Harfoots. Yes, pretty, pretty I enjoyed sweet. them. Uh, I, I don't know, I felt like they just hit all the right notes for what... A halfling society should be, and honestly, I I they they have more time on the screen than I expected. 
What do you mean? No, I thought that they're gonna focus a lot of Nori, and oh, and they okay. just like don't spend too much time in the village or in like the other characters, like you know, right. in the elders, like the the father, the other people in the village. I thought they're gonna be more in the background, and you, Balike, we see like a like an army. I, I realized that they were gonna be a little bit more in the show, just based off of all the promotional material I was seeing with them. But, but I, I still, but do, glad. I still do expect them to kind of disappear after a while. I mean, yes, we yes. have seen the the preview for the third episode and we know that they're migrating and I think they're basically going to get separated yes. from, from the rest of them so uh, but anyway I I, I really liked uh, all that Nori and Poppy were yes. very excellent oh, yeah. really sweet yeah and you know they definitely had like hints of all the other hobbits like I can see a little bit of Frodo here I can see a little bit of Sam there a little bit of Merry and Pippin um, but they still felt like well-rounded characters. Like, they weren't just, like, mimicking no, the other moments. And, and addition I like, as you say, you, you can feel, like, the, 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 the Hobbit in them, but yeah. they give, like, a very distinctive taste, and I think, like, they yeah. capture very well, like, the, the, the nomadic, the, nom the nomadic version of, like, something yeah. that I really know, that is, like, I, the, the, ho the Hobbits from the Lord of the Rings. The important thing was, like, the halfling cultures is that they're meant to feel very cozy and like literally like family and you're yeah but they're content with what they have and then one more yeah you know? but also like it would just be the best week ever to hang out with these people like they would be so nice and so inviting and they would just take care of you like i understand what you mean yes they're like a super cozy and super um no but i I, I love it with how they protest them, so... Ten of yeah. Ten. And of course, the elves and the dwarves are pretty much exactly how you would expect, but... Yeah, I mean, I am still having that kind of dune, kind of like with all of the cascades, and like, uh, feel a little off to me. Why? I love it. And I like it, but it is not what I expected. I expected more... Like a more mining, more like a dark, not like this kind of paradise. Yeah, but how can you live in a place like that? That's the whole point. Like, <laughs> that's not a home. Like, they have a mine. The mine is beneath them, yeah. right? But this is a city. This is a home. Like, it should look like a livable <laughs> space. I don't see why you would dislike that. Well, I mean, it is not that. Because they are different. They like maybe they don't enjoy the same thing that us. They don't need this greenery. Well, they they need food and they need water. Yes. <laughs> they need light. So, I don't I don't see why not. No. I mean, I think it's very much in keeping with the dwarves. Yeah, I mean, like I always assume that they. They're supposed to be like in harmony with the mountain. You know, they're not. Well, they're, they're greedy. I don't know. Well, they become greedy. That's yes. their downfall. <laughs> but one assumes that the greed is spurred on by the the ring of power they are given. So they are slowly corrupted. Well, they were greedy before. So, what's about the non-Gandalf? Well, we still don't know yeah. much about him. But, they're like... <laughs> 
They're clearly wanting you to think that he's evil. Well, of course, they have a lot of, like, shots of just him being kind of, like, freaky and intimidating. Um, but also, the really, like, blatant moment uh, in episode one when they're in the ice cave and they're like, my hands are so cold, I can't feel the flame. And Galadriel's like, no, it's because of the evilness. It's so evil. Flames give off no heat. And then in episode two, when Nori touches the fire around the stranger, it's the same thing. They, yeah. She says, they give off no heat. And I'm like, well... They're connected you, or... Like, there's no way that they wrote those two lines that close together <laughs> and they they weren't thinking about it. So I feel like it's it's probably a red herring because it's so obvious. And there's other moments, too, where he's meant to look very intimidating and scary to the halflings, so... It feels like they're trying to make us think he's evil. But I think it's a double bluff. Oh, he's definitely Because he evil. is evil. Because he's Saruman. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I think it's more even like the scene in the in the second episode with like where he uses the fireflies and he and he kills them, basically. Not basically. He straight up yes. kills them. He uses them. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of showing that any means necessary attitude, and that's very Saruman to me. To me, what the, like the feeling that I have for the stranger is, he's pure, and he's pure in the meaning of like uh, he's not good or he's bad. He don't have any direction, mm -hmm. and like um. In fact, when 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 he sh when he showed himself threatening, I see him when you create something and you put it in the wall and know nothing about the wall and he's just confused mm -hmm. and he's just like a, it's not good or bad. It's just a, a force of the nature, without no, I, without I, without I, control. Yeah, I understand why he's acting that way. Yeah. I'm saying that. TV show is choosing to present him that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you gotta it's, understand, it's, there's there's two sides to everything, <laughs> right? I'm not talking about the character. I am talking about how the showrunners are choosing to show him, and they're doing it in a way to make us suspicious of him, so that it's more surprising when they reveal that he was Gandalf all along. <laughs> huh. <But> anyway. <laughs> Um, and of course, speaking of fireflies, so, <laughs> of course, we were not <laughs> pleased with those lanterns when, no. when we were like, how, like, this is a fire hazard, you would not make these kinds of lanterns, couldn't be magic, halflings don't have magic. Well, we learned that apparently those lanterns are filled to the brim with fireflies. Like a, a thousand. <laughs> like, how many fireflies, we were trying, like. Okay, so never mind how many hours it would take for you to fill one of those lanterns, which is probably just impossible to fill it. Uh, even if you filled it the whole way, I don't think fireflies would create that much brightness. And yeah. they're all going to die in 24 hours, so you literally got to do that every day. There's somebody whose job is just to stick fireflies into lanterns. To me, the, the only way... Like a reasonable to do that is they lure them. Just just put some so like open the lantern during the day. They, just, yeah. they, they put honey, honey or whatever like they they like. So they was you would need so many. They, but I mean it's the only way 
Even then, it's just a bit bad. I mean, I prefer <laughs> the fire hazard lanterns. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, you to just me. put the candle out. Put the it's candle out. It's just <laughs> amazing. So ridiculous. But that, that, I guess that's my one complaint about the hard parts. I'm really annoyed with their lantern yeah. technology. <laughs> no, don't make any sense. Okay, no. they want the fireflies for the scenes with non Gandalf. Yeah, this but... is another moment where they're like, okay, we need him to be surrounded by fireflies at the end of this episode. How do we get fireflies around him? With this bag full of fireflies. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just shake the lantern out. It's great. I, I don't know. It just feels like a little <laughs> lazy to me. Nah, yeah. That, that, that was a little weird. Um, what else? What are we missing? Quite a lot. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> so they introduce a celebrity. Well, we was always wondering, like, uh, how soon they're going to introduce yeah, the Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Do the rings exist yet or not? So yeah. clearly they don't. No. And I, he's been... They're being very coy about it. I don't know why, because everybody knows he's making the rings. But, um, yeah, Columbrabor is introduced in episode one, and he's basically asking Elrond's help for a special project that he's got going on, which is actually just to build the forge to build the rings. Of course, that leads Elrond to think to enlist the help of the dwarves. Um, because they need it in six months for reasons. Yeah, I don't know why there's a time constraint, but especially for an elf, <clears throat> like the, the, the don't be hasty. <laughs> exactly, like the time it is not something that they like uh, they're scared of. So I, I had a, a theory. Well, basically, if the rings were introduced in episode one and they already existed, my theory was that Calembrabor was actually going to be Sauron in disguise. Right? <laughs> this is mostly because, like, Columbrabor, he dies after the rings are made anyway. So he could have just died off screen. Um, but I was like, that's the only way you could have him, like, surrounded... Like, to have him, like, near the rings as an elf, but not be obviously Sauron disguised as an elf. Like, if he took... The appearance of a, of a known elf. Um, but, of course, if the rings haven't been created yet, uh, he can't be Columbrabor because Sauron never touched the elven rings. Those, no. those were made completely without him. So, anyway, that was my fun theory. <laughs> <laughs> but that's dashed now. No, I, I, I honestly, I never... Unless the, uh, unless the rings were created off-screen, and this forge, it's all a ruse. It has nothing to do with the rings of power. He's making a forge for some other reason. No, I, 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 I never thought of the rings... I mean, it's going to just take all of the interest from the TV show to me. For, I honestly. think it's still going to be season one, though. I think by I the don't. end... Yeah, they have to. I, 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 now we got to, like, see everybody getting corrupted by the rings. We can't end the series with the rings being created because we need to get to the war to kill Sauron. No, no, Sarah. but I've, I, I personally going to end the, the first season with the creation of the forge and the rings might be created in the second season. I suppose, but I mean, get to the point. <laughs> I want me my war. 
Yeah, and of course, Halbran, my other top contender for Sauron <laughs> in disguise. I actually thought he was going to be from the north, like the, um, even like north of Rohan to like where the, the proto-Rohans lived. I thought that's where he was from. Um, now he claims he's from the south, Wait, yeah. despite being in a ship nowhere near <laughs> the south. Um, so we don't really know if he's being honest or not, and we do know that he's hiding something because he's got this, like, secret pouch, yes. which is obviously holding a ring that has his true identity because <laughs> it's the one ring because he's Sauron. <laughs> I think he's a Numenorean. I mean, I guess he could also be a Numenorean, but they're going to Numenor in the very next episode, so if he were Numenorean, that would, that would be given away mm. pretty fast. Well, maybe they do in the third episode. Oh, maybe. But what's the point of making him a secret Numenorean? I I don't think they're going to make it secret. I think he's a Numenorean openly, but Tobin has a secret. Why lie about it then? I don't know, maybe he don't don't trust Galadriel. It's enough. I suppose. But what's the point of making it a big secret? Well, because they're, they're going to re- reveal you in the next episode, I guess. This doesn't make any sense. Well, <laughs> that would be, like, the dumbest reveal ever. <laughs> like, we're going to build up this big secret and then tell you in the next episode, and it's not even going to be anything that matters to anyone. Because what would... Like, it would even matter to Galadriel if he was Numenorean or not. I, I don't know, but maybe you will have a role when he arrives to Numenor, because... I suppose, but it doesn't make any sense for him to lie. Well, I mean, I don't know, it was my theory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I suppose instead of being a random southerner, he could be a random Numenorian. This changes everything. <laughs> well, except he's none of these things, because he's sour. Mm-hmm. And Gilgalad. He didn't appear too much. But to me, he's a little plain, I guess. He's exactly what I told you he would be. He's the person that they just come to for exposition. <laughs> That's all. You think he's going to have a main role so that that appears in the other, background? Other than just for people to check in on him and for him to look concerned once in a while, no. He's not going to have much of a role. Like, obviously, he's going to, like, ride to battle at some point. Well, yeah, but obviously, but... He's, you know, he's like the, the police chief. You, you just check in with him yes. once in a while, and he's a great character. Everybody loves him, but he's not, he's not the main focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to me it was a little like a meh, but as I say, he, he just have like a few scenes, so... Yeah, I don't think we're going to get much more much out him. of him. I think that he's going to be pretty one-note. Unlike dear Elrond... Well, yes. Who has certainly lived up to his punchable face. <laughs> yes. Um, hey, he's alright. I, I like I like that they've made him, like you know, a little pompous. Because the elves are pompous, and that's part of the reason why they fuck up so badly. And, and he's not the... And no- help to create the ring. And he's not just any elf. He's, he's one of, the, like, a, the, the good shit. It's like not not it is not only an elf, but it's like a very important elf. It's basically the right hand of the king. I would imagine quite a lot of elves actually look down on him because he is half elven after all. 
And yet, he become the Rehan, so... Elves are racist. Don't forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking, but they are. Oh, they are. <laughs> Extremely. Everybody is racist in this TV show. I mean, everybody. <laughs> humans, humans hate, like, uh, elves. Yeah. Elves hate everyone. everyone. And drops help everyone. Yeah. So, yes. Everybody <laughs> hates everybody. You keep to yourself, and we'll keep to ourselves. I like Disa. Disa's alright. Um, we didn't get to see too much from her other than, like, stereotypical doting wife. Yeah. Um, but I like her energy. Hmm. I Clearly, her and Duran have got, like, good chemistry, so... Uh, I look forward to seeing more of that. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of... Classic comedy couple. Like it, the, the, it did the, feel like a sitcom when yeah, they're it's, like, it's basically you're not staying for dinner. Oh, you have to stay for dinner. Like, oh my god, we literally stepped into <laughs> the Lord of the Rings sitcom. <laughs> but as you say, I feel like I work very well. And I feel like a, with the, with the pass of the TV show, she's going to get in like a more serious role as the events start to get in well, yeah. some more serious... I mean, I think that's going to be true for everyone. I, I think yeah. that's kind of the point where, you know, you see them at the beginning when they're everybody's still happy and content and nothing to worry about, and you know that's going to change fast. <laughs> but well, but but during obviously because he's the prince, he's already just in a position of responsibility. And yeah, I think they'll play up more of that later. Yes, I mean, especially it looks like. He's going to convince his father to work with Elrond to help build this forge. And clearly that's going to be a mistake down the line. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, in perspective, yes. <laughs> but I, I think it's all about the, the downfall. Like, not only just helping to create the rings, but also they've got the mithril. Yeah, that's short. Yeah, in the in the great little pulp fiction moment. <laughs> What's in the briefcase? Are we happy? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I got I, I no, I should say I guess it was Mithril in the uh in of the box. But the, my problem with that is just like it was so shiny and I was like, what light source is there? And then and then for a moment I was like, is this meant to be like an Arkenstone kind of situation? Like but I that's stupid. It's I, gotta be Mithril. Yeah, it's gotta be Mithril. And they're just trying to be like a... They just really like wanted a, a Pulp Fiction moment. Exactly. Also, I gotta say, uh, I don't know, I can only blame Jay Bayona for this. Possibly the cinematographer as well. But there were so many close-up shots. Mm. Like, I don't know, there were just too many. I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it was like, you know, like the first scene with uh, Rondir and Bronwyn and they're suddenly like in this like super tight close up with a handheld camera. And then when they go to Casa Doom, it's the same thing. Like the camera's just in everybody's face. I, I guess because they're, they're trying to introduce the characters. It's like, remember this face. <laughs> I guess. It's, it's going to be important later. <laughs> I felt like uncomfortable with the Bronwyn and Arondir scene because I was like, I'm intruding on this. Like, yes, I, I don't want to be standing this close to two people who clearly want to fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it was not very subtle, oh like, a, like, a, like a high, high video. Well, yeah, but, you know, 
to be fair, everyone in the village knew. Would you? Like, <laughs> if it had been a surprise, I would have called shenanigans. But no, everyone was like, yeah, they're fucking. <laughs> like a, like everyone a, except Theo is like, no, <laughs> come on. No, I think he knows as well. He oh, just, he knows. He just tried to, like, the uh, night in front of, like, the, the cool kid. That's why he's gone all angsty teenager and he's hiding away his secret broken sword. Mm-hmm. Which I'm. Obviously, I'm gonna watch this again, but I really need to hear if he said where he found that sword, or like if he was hiding it. Like he found it and he hid it in the barn, and then he was showing his buddy. Or it's, like it's what I get. But I'm, I was kind of confused about where exactly the sword came from. Because I thought he was going to, like, find it, but he just has it already. Yeah, um, I mean, I, 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 if he, he say where he found it, I didn't, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't got it. But, um, yeah, so he already has the sword, so he's already kind of being corrupted by evil. I, I, am, I am assuming that probably, like, he will say everything, like, later... Maybe when Arandir, like, confront him for I the sword. I feel like we will get a backstory later. Yeah, it's gonna be like, where did you take the sword? Well, and, also, you know, we'll find out what this sword actually is. Because, you know, I, exactly. we, we were talking before that I was like, okay, what is a black broken sword? Well, there's Girthang, but it couldn't possibly be Girthang. Uh, whatever. <sighs> no, mean, it really, little possible it really show. couldn't. Now that it has that mark of <laughs> e for evil on it. Uh, it couldn't be Girthing. But whose sword it is? Like, is it supposed to be Morgoth's sword or something? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, probably they don't tell you where he found it because it's going to be maybe important later. It's going to reveal yeah, something. Yeah, maybe. So. But uh, obviously there's more to this backstory. I feel like there's also something to do with his father... Like, yes, there's the brief mention, like he ran, like he, he abandoned you. No, he didn't. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he like the dad found the sword and he gave it to the son before he died or something. Mm, yeah. I, I, I don't know. The dad got like mixed up with some, yeah, some like evil that, dudes. Yeah. Maybe the dad was corrupted and just. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, not not much to go on yet with the whole Theo storyline, but it's already very much like, <laughs> you're not my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, yeah, pretty stereotypical angsty teenager. Um, I can, I can see where that story's going. I'm not sure exactly how it'll end, but... Uh, probably also like uh, in the way that they're gonna fight, but in the very end they're gonna understand that he really loved him. But this, I mean, <laughs> it, it can only go one of two ways. So that's that's option one, and option two is obviously he ends up evil, uh, which is not really beyond the realm of possibilities, because this show is gonna have a pretty heavy ending. I right? mean, like <laughs> so I, I, many. I, 
I will love it, but honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, it has to happen, because that's just the, the reality of the situation. No, no, like like a, like a, that particular character become corrupted and... Like oh, a, no, I, I, but I, I'm just I, saying, even like, with a redeem. But everything that's going on at the same time, it would, it would make sense. And we do need to see some human characters fall, because we need to see the ring rates. Now, whether or not he becomes one of the ring race. I think it's probably a good move just because it gets the audience invested in his storyline. And it just makes it all the more tragic when he when he isn't saved at the end. But I don't really know if they're going to go that route because... I, 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 I think they're going to play safe. And they're just like not gonna corrupt him because it's like the children, the people like it, and you know, and they're gonna corrupt like uh, people in the background that the people they are not invested, as you say. I mean, I hope that they, he's corrupted, but I mean, it's just not interesting otherwise. I'm, I'm I mean, I agree. Just, I mean, just like Galadriel's storyline in episode one, it just it feels like a series of cliches. Yeah. Unless you end it in the way that it deserves to be ended. And, I mean, literally, like, the Second Age ends in tragedy. Like, we're, we're, we're heading towards tragedy. <laughs> so it just, it would fit within the history. Can I say history? Yeah, we can say it. <laughs> I'm not super interested in angsty teenagers, generally speaking. No. <laughs> I'm not super interested in the whole... A Rondi or Bronwyn love story, either. Uh, I don't really mind it that much. Well, again, it's just... It feels a little cliche. Uh, yeah. The forbidden love. And then they had to, like, layer on more things that make it forbidden. Because you have the elves stationed in Harad and basically, like, policing them. So now, also, the elves are... You know, they represent the man, and we hate them. And so it's just like an extra layer of forbiddenness, and it's like uh. yeah, they, they will have like this uh, animosity. Between yeah, the was it necessary? The... I don't know, but we had it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just—it's not really that interesting to me, unless they find a way to make it feel new. And it's still only the second episode, so I don't really yes, know where they're I gonna mean... take it. Yeah, it's, it's a little early, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, let, let's see, probably it's going to be just a plain love story without more. Well, someone will die in the end. Well, yeah. <laughs> and even if not, like, uh, she's going to die by age. And then that's what I mean. Way, way, way before. Somebody always dies in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only way to really honor the whole love story between a mortal and immortal is to acknowledge that. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time for that. Who knows? It's it's hard to see. Um, but I, I got a... I think I got a pretty good idea of where season one is heading anyway. Obviously... They're going to head to Numenor, uh, Galadriel, and Halbrand. They're picked up at the end by the Numenor ship, which is obviously yes. a Zildur ship. 
So he's going to take them to Numenor. They're going to convince the Numenorians that the orcs are attacking. The Numenorians are going to give Galadriel that army to sail to the Harad to fight the orcs. That's what that whole charge is. They're like, that's yeah. so that's probably going to be close to the cl- climax. Because obviously we have all of the non political nonsense for a couple of episodes at least. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how far they're going to go with Numenor. Because again, I don't know where we're starting off from. Like, Muriel and Farazan are not married at this point, even though they they will be. (laughs) Uh, For some reason, Muriel is the regent and not the queen. There's no reason for her to be a regent and not the queen. Like, the only reason why she wasn't the queen was because our Farazan married her and usurped the throne. Like, he took the power from her. But if her father is dead and she's not married to him, she should be queen. Unless <clears throat> have like a, a male son. No. In in Numenor, it pa- the crown passes to Post- women. So there's really no reason for her to be queen regent and not just queen. I find that bizarre. But I don't know what's the backstory is yet because I don't really know. So I'll have more to talk about that (laughs) in the next episode. But we know for sure that Farazon is not king yet? Yes. How? Because I watch a lot of interviews. Okay. (laughs) And they've talked about a lot of this stuff. Okay, they already spoiled it. Well, it's not really spoilers. They just... They're just talking about, like, who's your character? And as... So he talks about his character being, like... Uh, an advisor and how he's like power hungry and blah 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 blah. So it's just like okay, okay. So he's not the king yes. yet. <laughs> and probably he will be by the end of season one. Yes, that would be my assumption because he's got to be. He's got to get to power a little bit earlier on because he's got to be corrupted by Sauron. Well, his first he's got to go to the Harad and he's got to capture Sauron and then he's got to be corrupted by Sauron. So there's there's like a lot of stuff that needs to go on. So he needs to become king as yes. soon as possible. I mean, I, I'm assuming that like uh, he's going to be the one to give it like a lot in the army. Yeah, well, clearly someone is. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I see no reason why Muriel wouldn't. She seems pretty buddy-buddy with her in all of the previews. No, but because he actually is going to go in the war to Harad, makes sense that like, uh, he have a mission or, you know. Yeah, well, we know that he's going to go to war eventually. We, yeah. You know, it might not happen in season one. No, personally, but he kind of yeah. send Galadriel with an army first and he's going to join the war effort. Like a second season, whenever. Well, this is the question. Like, is Galadriel in the army, is that the big Numenor invasion? Like, is that the moment when, you know, like they do come to Umbar and they capture Sauron? Like, is that going to be the ending of season one? I mean, like, since a pretty epic ending. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Halbrand being from the south is just more evidence that he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we well, I mean, we already saw in trailers and so on, but we saw an orc for the first time. Yeah, so the orc was was good. 
Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you why cuz the the orcs I saw in the trailer were very very Peter Jacksony to me. And the orc that they had in episode 2 was very different. And I was I was very intrigued by this thing, especially its mouth. Like there's yeah. a nice close up of this thing and it's got no lips and it sort of has like a, well, I, a I, fish I, fish kind of mouth with those little like spiky teeth sort of sticking out everywhere. It's yeah, real good. They have less humanoid yeah. than, than the Peter Jackson's and, uh, and it w- interpretation. The, the body was much lankier. Yeah, but it was like a slim arms. Yes, and kind of like very a slender long... man yeah. with uh, like really crazy, like uh, like like the claws you would see on a mole. Like those long, thick claws. And, uh, and generally, I have more supernatural... I have like a more as a monster that just like a, a corrupted. Well, they are monsters. But but don't feel as just a evil human or evil elf. That's actually the the, the elf, correct one. Elf is more appropriate. But um, I mean, they have like kind of supernatural strength that I I I didn't saw in the Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, they are they're humans in the physical. Peter Jackson. <laughs> I mean, literally, hobbits tap them with swords and they fall over and die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Hurux was like a little bit more like a physically impressive. And even then, it is just strong, strong yeah. hands, you know. Yeah, exactly. R- really, really nothing. But this one, like a, at one point, he just grabbed the table and just like a throw it all over, like yes, across the house. I forgot about that. He also like throws her against the wall pretty hard, too. So it is just completely like a it's not a it's not a human level of power you know it's, it's much more no it definitely you you felt like the evilness in it yeah uh it was real real good mm. so i'm and, and and i like the touch of this like at uh, the bone like yeah, like, like we, at the school I don't we know, saw a, in the trailer some of the orcs wearing like skulls it, i don't know it's a hat or a mask but it, it is there <laughs> it makes me feel pretty okay <laughs> But I I, li- I like the toads. But but going back to like that whole scene with the orc. <clears throat> I mean, basically how it starts is Bronwyn. She's she's raced back to the village because her and a romdeer went to check out the the nearby village, only to discover that the I mean the orcs have basically eaten everybody there. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to explain what happened, but. I mean, definitely, everybody's dead. Uh, so she races back to warn everybody in the village, and when she gets home, she finds this massive hole in her floor and realizes that, like, the orcs have crawled up. <laughs> but Theo's hiding, I want to say, in the stove, which seems like a really bad hiding spot. Yeah, I didn't know exactly um, what is the purpose of that. <laughs> and, and so she opens the door, and Theo's like, oh my god, run, get help. And so she runs to the door, and he closes the door and gets back in the oven. And then she, like, stops by the door, and she, like, thinks about it for a minute. And, like, and then she gets into I, the closet. I'm gonna come back. Now, in, in all of this time, both of them had ample time to leave the house. There was really no reason for Theo to go back and hide, and for her to hide. But I, I understand for Theo, because he can be just so scared and don't want to 
like, and leave the hole. But what was her fucking plan? I'm yeah. just gonna hide and... Yeah, but her actually go to the door, so he's already running, and in the moment that reach the freedom, it's like, no. Like, I get <laughs> you don't want to leave your son, obviously, but why did you leave him in the first place? Exactly. You, like, yank him out of that oven. Uh, like, you gr- grab it, <laughs> grab it, grab it from, like, the head and just, like, pull it out. It was, it was very bizarre. And again, it just felt like... The writers knew they had to get a point where both of the characters were hidden and an orc is sniffing around for them and they couldn't figure out how to do it. So the characters just wandered into the cupboards. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking like, a, like, a, like a, the door of can be jam or something so she cannot leave. I mean, if he, if he had been stuck... Maybe. Then yeah. she, then she's, like, panicking because she doesn't want to leave him. But she doesn't even, like, grab Hesita- grab a weapon and hide. She just, no, Alicia, he didn't hesitate. It's like, a, go away. And she went yeah, to the Yeah, she's like, bye. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it was very bizarre. Yeah, her reaction was not... Not very natural. But the ending of that scene was was pretty badass. I mean, obviously it ends yeah, it in like a fight. Very cool, yes. But then she like takes the <laughs> takes the severed head <laughs> back to the people, just be like, "You want you, proof? Here." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, that I like. That that was it." I don't want to. I don't know. Not clever, but it was like that was cute. <laughs> no, it was 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 cute. Yes. <laughs> I think overall, like our good. I, I would say even better than I expected. Not expected that, but you know. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess it was pretty much what I can wish for. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I need to, to process it before I can really tell you. Um, it didn't blow me away. Like, I, uh, I wasn't, like, amazed. It was all right. It was fine. You know. Overall, an enjoyable experience. I get. Anyway, we're we are gonna do a follow-up episode to this, which is not just us rambling. Um, but we are going to go into detail mm-hmm. about some of the things that they talked about or uh maybe just things that we haven't really gone into detail about. Yeah, we're just gonna pick apart those episodes and See if we can find any Easter eggs or clues about what's happening Mm -hmm. and who Halbrand really is. (laughs) Very tall he was, as tall as are the men from the misty hills of Hithlum. Bye. Bye. first and we will be the last. From Morgan James Fiction comes the exciting new historical fantasy Orope, the White Snake by Guinevere Lee. The whispers of the gods have seen the vision, the gods destroying the world in a flood because the old ways have been corrupted and forgotten. Three are chosen, Tersh, 
Kareth, and Shadi to go out and warn the world the gods must be appeased. In Orope, the white snake, Tersh must leave her children and travel to Matawe, the kingdom in the mountains. She also must care for Kareth and keep him out of trouble. Kareth, told since birth that he is destined for greatness, has been expecting this moment. Certain that he is ready, he quickly discovers that his confidence and curiosity have a tendency to lead him into dangerous situations. Shadi finds himself traveling alone to find the people of the jungle, the Petsahalpa. The jungle seems like a paradise until he discovers the darker rituals practiced within. Samaki is a merchant who returns to Mahat to find his home destroyed, his father dead, and no one to buy his expensive cargo. With his first mate, Tuhark, the merchant struggles to move forward after his entire world has been upended. The stories of these four travelers intersect and entwine with each other as they move towards their destinations. Guided by visions, the Whispers must use their wits to survive in these strange new lands that would rather use them as political pawns than listen to their warnings. Available in paperback, digital, and audio wherever books are sold. To learn more, visit GuinevereLee.com. G-U-E-N-E-V-E-R-E-L-E-E.com. And thank you for listening. Music provided by Bensound.com. Hekari, the Azura Fish, is the thrilling sequel to Orope, the White Snake. Orope introduced historical fiction fans to a unique fantasy world inspired by Bronze Age history and mythology. Pekari takes them further, going to new kingdoms and introducing new characters. The gods are still angry, but the whispers of the gods are closer than ever to saving the world from a terrible flood. Kareth is still working for the powerful Imota. Kareth hopes Imota will help him deliver his message to the ruler of Mahat. But everything changes when the sorcerer Dedelian takes an interest in him. After the winter snows have melted, Tersh decides to head into the mountain kingdom of Matawe to reach the city of Mesite. Lost in this strange land, she must rely on the help of Tuthalia, a soldier with an unknown past who plans to return home and start a family. Shadi's journey seems doomed by the death of their leader, but the hunter K-Set promises to lead them through the jungle. There are sinister things in the jungle, though, and their journey is beset by disease and attacks from wild animals. Samaki sails east, a last attempt to make a good trade that will save his livelihood. The Middle Sea has changed since Samaki last sailed, though, and the waters are rife with the ruthless sea people. Continue this wonderful journey with Guinevere Lee as she takes you through the fantasy world of Picari the Azure Fish, the sequel to Orope the White Snake. Ebook, paperback, and audiobook out now. You can buy it on Amazon, Chapters Indigo, Barnes and Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, please go to the website GuineveraLee.com. I don't have anything. <laughs> I could read you a Game of Thrones quote. No. Don't don't monthly jelly the, the podcast with Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think we might just have to go quoteless. Well let me go for the book. <laughs>